Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. Can you believe it is the final Monday of February? How is that possible? Anyway, the other day, I almost wrote down 2013 at a book signing instead of 2023. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Time. But I'm so glad that you guys are here today because we have USA Today bestselling author Brian Feehan with us. And if you recognize that last name, he is a relative of Christine Feehan. And last time he was on the show... He was on with his mom, and I'm so excited that his second book just came out, and he is back, and we get to focus all our time on Brian this time. So if you haven't read his books yet, you're in for a treat. I'm just going to read his bio here really quick so you can get to know him, and then we'll be off. So Brian Feehan lives in his mind, creating vibrant characters who tend to talk very loudly and far too often. When real life comes knocking, it's likely to be the love of his life, Michelle, or their son, Dylan. Together, they live on the northern coast of California. Brian is fascinated by both the written word and learning new subjects. He is always up for a laugh, a game, or a drink with friends and family. He is also the son of number one New York Times bestselling author Christine Feehan, who started his training to become an author before he was even old enough to walk. (laughs) And I will put a link to his website right there on the Blog Talk site. So if you're listening live or listening later, you can check that out, sign up for his newsletter. And I don't want to delay anymore. Brian, are you there? I am. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Hi. It's great to have you back. I'm so excited about your new book. So Harmony of Lies just came out, right? It did. It has been one crazy week. It came out on Tuesday, and it's been this nonstop, like, roller coaster of celebration. (laughs) Yay. Well, that's always fun. (laughs) So... This one, I think, is this a ongoing series or is this the end? Is this a, just a duology? No, this is an ongoing series. And the way I Yay. write and for the way I, I built this world was like, I don't know when it's going to end. Um, okay. Honestly, I, that's the books that I love is series that just get bigger and bigger. And, you know, you get to live with those characters longer and longer. And, you know, personally, like, I'm still upset about Harry Potter being over, you know, like, (laughs) I want the next book, you know, and like what uh, Nora Roberts has done with the death series, I believe, uh, Encore just came out. Uh, I'm reading that. That's fantastic. Like what she does there and what my mom has done and so many others have done. Those are that style is, is what I love is to be able to really sink my teeth into. Yeah, I was going to say, your your mom's dark series, I, I've lost count how many books, but there is a lot. So you've got good training there for an ongoing series. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, my mom is amazing. And, and the dark series, particularly all of her series, actually, um, you know, I really love. Uh, and the soldier ones, um, you the know, soldiers with superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. Love, yeah. love that one, too. Well, for Harmony of Lies, this new book that just came out, can people drop in there, or should they go back and read book one first? Yeah, it's really up to the individual reader. It's really up to, you know, whoever you are and how, how you want to experience the story. 
Harmony of Fire sets it off. It, it sets off the story and it goes. Um, and that really sets the foundation for the entire world. Harmony of Lies was written as a standalone as well, even though it takes it takes place three weeks after Harmony of Fire ends. So what I say is it's really up to you. If you want the full context, then go get them both. But if you just want to, like, get the latest book out and start there, then jump into Harmony of Lies, and you can talk with everybody about it, and then you can jump back into Harmony of Fire and, and go that way if you want. So, you know, dealer's choice. Okay. And is this the same couple every book or a different couple every book? Allison and Owen series, it's the same couple. And it's really interesting to me the complexities of writing um, that style, you know. Yes. Um, you know, when you have just a brand new couple, there is this sort of same story of they meet, they meet, oh, they don't get along, oh, they figure it out and they come together. And yeah, I know, I just made that really quick and easy. It's not, and every one of those stories is complicated and complex and intriguing. However, when you get to write a series with the same couple, you have to, like, they have to have more layers because every book you need to discover more and more about them. And right. that complexity is something that I wanted to, like, to go forward with and experience and then also share that with all the readers out there. So that's why we call it the Allison Owen series or A plus L. <laughs> I love it. And can you tell everybody kind of what what this is about? It's a really – I love your world building. It's It's very unique. So do you want to tell everybody about, you know, what's the backstory of these books? I would love to. So, you guys, like, no joke. I'm, you know, my mom's the New York Times bestseller with over 100 books. I got 20, 22 years of watching her entire career. I've read <laughs> thousands of romance novels, and I wanted to write my own. And I wanted to write in paranormal romance um, slash urban fantasy. And what, what I wanted to do is I wanted to introduce a brand new world, something that nobody else has ever written about. Now, Maybe somebody has, and I somehow missed that, and that's cool. That happens. But, you know, that's what I threw everything into was creating a brand-new world in the paranormal urban fantasy romance genre. And it really mixes music and magic. <clears throat> and so that was sort of the foundation of, you know, these artists that, that, that have to see the world their way and refuse to be boxed in. Instead, they challenge the idea of, you know, how we live. And and they push themselves to, to you know, to create unbelievable moments. And so that's sort of the foundation and that's sort of the world that I built the Alice and Owen series around. And can you, you know, give us a little... Right, right. Well, and and it's hard because I I don't want to do spoilers, but um are they are they solving crimes together or are they in danger or how does that all unfold? Yeah, so what it is 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 thank you so much. That's a great question. So, um Owen is a musician with with the serial energy inside of him or or, you know, the power of creation inside of him. And when he taps into that music or and that power and he creates with it, he can do some pretty incredible things. Alice is also a serialist, so she has the same ability. And there's other creatures out there called the we who are born with this that are not human. And the problem is they need that ethereal energy. So there's always this conflict of the we trying to get some of what they have and they'll do anything 
that they can to survive. Um, but also, it's sort of this shadow world, you know, it's paranormal. So just like vampires and were- werewolves, it's the shadow world with its own set of rules, obligations, and justice that Owen and Alice as humans have to figure out how to survive in, you know, along with Owen and all of his band uh, bandmates and stuff. Um, because they have so much that they have so much that other people want, and are, and those people are willing to do whatever they can to take it. So yeah, it's, they're constantly under threat. They're constantly under danger, and yet they're pushed to to blazon, brazenly go forward, and uh, you know, and make this world their own. So love it. And if that makes any I've... sense at all. No, it totally does. I love it. And I've I've written a a rock star werewolf and a rock star immortal pirate and both times I chose not to let their bandmates know that they're an other or a supernatural. Does Owen's band know he's got this ethereal power? Yeah, so the way it works is Owen has gone around and collected a number of musicians that all have the same ability that he has. Ah, and okay. It's really their only choice is to band together to help each other survive. But for Owen, it's a little bit more than that. You know, for inspiration, I look at some of the greatest musicians that we've ever had uh, throughout history and right now today. And I wanted to write a story sort of um, that mirrors, mirrors them in a way. And um, so it's not just about survival with him, but it's also creating unbelievably amazing music. Uh, you know, in the moment with with the audience that's there. And so I try to capture that moment. But then as reality sets in, they also have to be able to, like, survive and make sure that all the members are there at the end of the show. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. lose anyone during the show. <laughs> yeah, and so in this case, Harmony Elias takes – and this is where this story sort of took off in a whole different direction – and um, I really wanted to capture the spirit of San Francisco. I've spent so much time there throughout my life. And it's got such an amazing history of musicians and artists. But then also there's this sort of, like, crime side to it. And there's also the sort of, like, San Francisco doesn't work for everybody. Right. Like, you know, some people go to San Francisco and they're like, I'm really happy I went there for two days and I'm glad I left. And other people are like, oh, my gosh, I should move here. Right. And I wanted to capture that as well and, and the history. And so, um, yeah, he ends up going to San Francisco, and he ends up having to – he's got a set of trials he doesn't see coming that him and his team have to have to survive. And, of course, and, that's where Alice comes in because he won't be able to survive anything without her. Right. Well, that was the thing I was going to ask too is, is since you have the same couple in each book, I mean – are they even are they in love yet? Does that happen in the first book and now they're a team us against the world for all the books or are all the books kind of an exploration of them, you know, as they face all these trials? Uh yes. <laughs> the answer is absolutely <laughs> yes to all of those questions. Um, you know, uh spoiler, in Harmony of Fire, the first book, uh Owen and Alice do fall in love with each other. Um, but because the book starts off only three weeks later, you know, they both have individual trials that they have to face and different places there in their life. And so what happens is almost immediately at the end of, like, really, I'm only pages into to chapter one, and you find out Owen has to go to San Francisco, and Alice 
has just been reunited with her family after being gone for it's like 17 years and and she can't leave her family like you can't she can't leave her family and this is like what i really wanted to like what really happened is it's more like real life like you say you fall in love with somebody on vacation you guys can't just go back to your house because they have a life also and you can't just go to right. their house like right like it needed to be more real life and like then how do you do it like how it's the love story in real life and so I sort of took that approach to it and um and I don't know. I loved how it how it all turned out. Uh, yeah, so they, I can't they, wait they, can't wait to read it. <laughs> thanks so much. Yeah, they so but so the whole idea is that they are in love with each other and the question is is can they hold on to each other and then do they with each trial are they falling more in love or are they they falling more apart, you know? Right. But then right. romance, so we're not gonna make a horrible ending. Yes. No, no killing them and no breaking them up at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I wanted to ask your, your inspiration. You kind of talked about the different rock stars, but what is your musical background? Was that an inspiration for this series? It was, but it is. Um, it's interesting. When I, when I approached a story this large and when I want to build a whole series, there's a percentage of it that's about me and there's a percentage of it that's about my best friends and there's a percentage of it that's just about everybody I've ever met in my life or imagined out there. Uh-huh. And so when I write music, I try to connect it with everybody. And, um, you know, different moments definitely have different inspirations. Uh, for me, I was a dancer. So obviously music played, I think music plays a big role in everybody's life personally. Um, mm-hmm. depending on what's going on, all of a sudden you'll connect to a song or your best friend will connect to a song and next thing you know you're dancing with them, you know, or listening to it in the car with them all the time. Or you have kids and they connect to a song and next thing you know you know every single word, even if you're not somebody who's going to sing it out loud. And I wanted that same kind of connection and creativity in this series. And, you know, uh, yeah, how do I say it? That's not easy to do. <laughs> And, um, it's <laughs> no, it's really, not. It's, it's been really fun to do. Um, and then I mentioned I was a dancer, so that's a whole other part of my life where for many, many, many years I was surrounded by music, you know, 12 hours a day, right. so seven, seven days a week. So. Um, well, I have to ask, yeah. too, will dance become a part of the series since that's such a big uh, part for you? Um, currently, I mean, you know, it's – Currently, I don't have plans, but that said, I'm sure, of course, it will be. Um, <laughs> now you know, that I've planted that, <laughs> planted that plot, Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you know, I uh, my writing style is to keep everything, like, wide open and then let the characters drive the story. So, you know, if Ellen wants to dance, they're going to dance. If Alice wants to dance, they're going to dance. If side characters want to dance, they're going to dance. You know, if my villain wants to dance, He's going to dance or she's going to dance. <laughs> and after that, like, you know, um, or if I can feel that the reader wants that moment, that connection, then I would say that could influence things. So. Nice. And so you kind of touched there on liking to leave it wide open, but what's your writing process look like? Are you plotting your way? Are you 
pantsing your way through it? Uh, how did how does it work for you? Um, oh, pantsing. Um, I, I, I call it <laughs> writing A to, A to B is how I I call it because uh, pantsing. I mean, that sounds like we're in middle school and we're just you know. Well, by the seat of it. your pants. Yes, by the seat of I'm, your pants. Like, you I don't know have a plan. A plotter. A plotter is the very first person who ever mentioned pantsing. Can I just put that out there? Like, they, I'm a plotter. Yes, I plot things down. But what do those guys over there do? Those they just they live by the seat of their pants. Who knows? Right. Um, for me, man, it drives me nuts when characters break character in the middle of a story. Like, uh, for example, a cop doesn't have his gun on him. You know, mm-hmm. guess what, guys? A cop always has his gun on. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it it just doesn't work, but. You know, I, I write discovery writing, I write point A to point B, and that allows me to have really rich characters, or at least in my opinion, you know, that's what I aim for. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I do. I like I like calling it discovery writing. I, I am also a pantser, and I tend to call it writing without a net because you sort of have to be fearless. And at times I wish I was a plotter. <laughs> But but for me, that's where the thrill is of writing is that I want to know what happens next. That's what gets me back to the computer. So if I do too much thinking ahead, I lose all my impulsion on the story. You know, I can't I can't move it forward because my brain feels like, well, we already know that story. Um, and I'm like, no, no, we exactly. need more words. Um, so I try not to let myself plot too far. I usually know the end of the book. But I don't know how I'm going to get there. And that that adventure is what keeps me, you know, at the keyboard. Do you feel like that? Is it like a movie in your head and you want to see what happens next? How does it work for you? It is, although it's more like 30 movies in my head overlaid <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> um, you know, because each one is you're figuring it out. Each one has their own layer of like, well, I could go left or I could go right. You know, and an easy way to say that is, you know, for the reader out there, like, or anybody listening, you know, you listen to a joke in one kind of mood you're in, you're going to laugh really hard. Another kind of mood you're in, you might just laugh lightly, and a whole other mood, you won't even hear it because you're so deep in your thoughts that you don't even hear the, you know, the joke. And the characters are the exact same way, you know. And so you kind of play through, and you're like, what, what mood would they be in, depending on what's going on and what's happening? And it's never a clear cut, this is who they are, this is exactly perfect. Instead, it's like, well, they they are this, but then they're also this. So what part of them is present right there in that moment? And so that's when the layering comes over the top. And, yeah, my favorite thing to do is, you know, I fully believe that if you write your characters into a corner and you don't know how to get out of that that box, then your reader will never see it coming. Exactly, because we don't see it coming. (laughs) Right, and you can't telegraph something that you don't know is coming up. Right. <laughs> so that can create these magical moments. The problem is actually on the writer's side. <laughs> you know, it's like right. uh, the only thing to do is, is to all of a sudden get up away from your keyboard going, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Right. How are they going to get out of this situation? And let's, now let's start figuring it out. Yeah, that for me, that's the real magical moment part is when something comes together that I had no idea 
idea what's going to happen. And you're right. Sometimes you have to get up and go fold laundry. And then all of a sudden something comes to you and you're like, oh, um, <laughs> so for me, that that's the exciting magic of writing. And it doesn't happen all the time, but I love unicorn books where, you know, it just constantly, you just, you, you're addicted to the story and you can't stop because it keeps surprising you. And that, for me, that's the best part of, you know, that's the most fun of writing. Yeah, me too. And then it also lends itself, you know, for me, I'm like, I don't know. I've got this tremendous respect for, for all readers, you know, and yes. I just go like, I want to deliver them something that they've never read before, you know? And it, so, you know, maybe it's my mom that, that started putting it in my brain from an early, you know, early kid. It's like, we'd watch TV and she'd be like, all right, who, who do you think, you know, she played like the clue game or the Sherlock Holmes game. Okay. Who do you think the killer is, Brian? You know, or what do you think is going to happen next? And uh, and then she'd tell me what she thought. And of course she'd be right like all the time. And I was a kid and I had no clue, but <laughs> before you know it, I was playing that game too. And then before mm-hmm. you know it, I was getting it. And now you fast forward, and it's like, I think all of us readers out there, we can guess usually what's going to happen. You know, most times now we've had so many stories and so, like, we've, we've just witnessed so many things that we, they're less and less new. And so, so I reach for that, even if I've got to bang my head against the wall a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, that kind of is ties into my next question. I was going to ask about your mom's influence on, on your writing. Like, is your writing style, does she, does she write the same way just from A to B or is she a plotter and you're the opposite? Um, I, I remember when uh, I got to moderate a, a chat with, Anne Rice and Christopher Rice, and it was so funny to me because Anne Rice just writes whatever and, and you know, no plot, and Christopher Rice was like, I have to have a plot, and I have to rewrite it, and I have to, so his process was opposite of his mom's, which surprised me because I just assumed, you know, that it would be same. How How is it for you? So, first of all, the fact that you get to do that with Anne Rice and Christopher Rice I'm I like, know, oh my right? Gosh. Right? Oh my gosh, I was geeking out. Oh my goodness, but it was the best. Yeah. <laughs> but they were delightful. But but do you feel like your mom influenced your process, or are you completely opposite? Well, we do have the uh, same. We both are, um, you know, discovery writers. So so or pants, okay. or however you want to say it. And right. uh, so that's exactly the same. So you know, but. I personally think how you write is sort of how your mind likes things, you know. Um, I don't think anybody gets to choose which way they write. In fact, you kind of have to discover which way you write because if you try the wrong way, you you can't write. I agree. Right. And even discovery writing, there's a point in in the process where we have to sit down and go, okay, wait, how many chapters do we have left? Let's make sure we're arching back towards that home run Mm -hmm. that we want right at the end. And even if we're not sure exactly how it's going to all go down, we have to start, you know, pointing right. the plane in the right direction of the land. Yes, landing yes. So, <laughs> um, so it, as far as my mom goes, like, let me just be perfectly honest. Yeah, we might write the same way as far as discovery, but my mom is like the Formula One, you know, 
like she's got it down. Possibly. Yeah, she, <laughs> she is amazing, and how she can write. Like I'm standing up, going, "Ah, oh, what am I going to do next?" And she's like, "You're going to sit down and keep writing." And I'm like, "No, I haven't figured it out." She's like, "You're going to sit down, and figure out what you need to do, and keep writing." And I'm like, "How do you do that?" And she's like, "When you've written as many stories as I can, you know how to do it." And I'm like, "That doesn't help me at all, Mom." And then she just starts laughing, <laughs> um, because you know she's she has been a lot more experience. Yeah. And yeah, she's got a lot more experience than me, and uh, she loves it. She lives and breathes it. So, um, you know, uh, we're at different places, but uh, I love her. Being able to share those moments with her is pretty amazing. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, do you have – well, I guess this is a two-pronged question. I was going to ask, do you have other genres that you want to write in, but I also want to know what you're working on now. What's next? So I'm still working on the – I think still <laughs> – uh, my mom kicks the book out like every three months or less, and right. I, I take a bit longer. So I'm working <laughs> on the Harmony of Lives book three. Um, okay. And uh, I'm also working on another paranormal romance series that hasn't been named yet. So oh. that's, that's the answer for that as far as writing other genres. Yeah, I um, my plan is to write a lot more in, in paranormal romance and urban fantasy. That said, you know, I think that there's always these secret little projects you have in the back of your mind. Right. Of everything from writing scripts, like I've got a, a, a romance for a script in the back of my head I've started. Just uh, oh. I play with it, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> I also have an epic fantasy that I've messed with for the last, like, five years, which I'm sure will take about another 15 before it ever comes out. So, um, you You'll know, be a you, George R.R. R. Martin. Little... <laughs> yeah. So, Take as much time as you need. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think those are, as a writer, you know, it's what we love to do is to tell a story. And I think that that you should never hold yourself in one spot. But at the same time, I do feel like you've sort of made a commitment to, um, to the readers out there. And it's a beautiful relationship you have with them. So let's honor that. Right. 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 Yeah. And it, it is difficult to, um, if you go too far for your readers to follow, because some of them will follow you no matter what, because they love your voice and they love the way you tell a story. And that's going to be the same across whatever genre you're writing. But for other people, they read you because they love those story, those particular stories. So then if you suddenly go, I'm writing a hard sci-fi and they're like, Ooh, hard. No. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, so it is hard to, to get too wild in, you know, what you're going to write next. But um, I, I love hearing, you know, what, what other ideas are cooking around. Cause I bet the epic fantasy will be amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, let's <laughs> just be clear. Like, like, call me a country boy if you want to, but, like, I'm like, hey, everything is better with a woman in it. And, um, you know, that's my <laughs> preference, and that's where I go. And it's like, even if I was going to write anything else, I mean, you heard what the script idea was. It was still romance. And right. if I'm writing epic fantasy, there is romance already in it. And, you know, we're 15 years out. So, um, you know, everything is better with, with a love story. And I, I'm a huge defender of this. Like, Star Wars is a love story. Right. Star Wars would, never would have completed if you know Han Solo wasn't fully into Leia uh-huh exactly I agree and, uh, you know so you want to go hard sci-fi and it's like well still gotta have a love story 
Let's go. Yep. There's got to be one in there. I mean, Captain Kirk fell in love with every person, every alien life that he met on that show. So (laughs) there should be a love story. (laughs) And that's how we want it. And what's interesting about the paranormal romance, I was giving a – I, I love Lori Foster, and uh, she let me do a takeover on her, her Facebook, which was really fantastic to do and to interact with her Good. amazing people. But I put the question, like, what's the greatest romance genre out there? And I said, I've got concrete proof it is paranormal romance. <laughs> and uh, it was just fun to do. It was playful. And so then they were like, okay, so what's your concrete proof? And I said, the, the greatest storyteller in the world is Disney. It's Disney. True. Mm-hmm. Disney is the greatest storyteller in the world today, and their number one choice of how to tell a story is paranormal romance done in That's a way to true. tell kids. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you look at Little Mermaid, paranormal romance. You look at Tangled, paranormal romance. Sleeping Beauty, like just go down the list. Beauty and the Beast, yes. Beauty and the Beast, my all-time favorite Disney movie because it just touched me personally. And, uh, you know. But all of them, it's paranormal romance. And so there's kind of like a, a joke that isn't a joke, which is, you know, we write paranormal romance for adults. You mm-hmm. know? Exactly. And it's, it's Disney for adults. I love that. Oh, my gosh. That's I love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start passing that around because I, I think that is very true and insightful. Um, <laughs> I hate that we're running out of time. We could do this for another hour, but um, Blog Talk's going to kick us off. So before you go, um, your book just came out. Are you, running, are you running contests? How can readers get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, we are, first of all, Check out the Facebook page. We are always running contests. We're always doing giveaways. Um, we just did a huge one, so it'll, you know, give us a couple of weeks and we'll be kicking back off. But that said, we also have a store called Feeding Co. If anybody wants signed copies of Harmony of Fire, Harmony of Lies, or, or a number of my moms, actually. So that's feedingco.com. Check out, like, the Facebook fit page, you know, Brian Fien, author. And, um, and, of course, there's a newsletter for any kind of updates. And, yeah, we – you know, because my mom and I are so interconnected, we do so much uh, social media together and everything else. And, you know, we just try to make it fun, fun, fun and exciting. And, you know, if nothing else, we're really happy as the day starts and we're really happy as the day ends. So, I love that. Okay. Well, everybody go grab your copy of Harmony of Lies. Please do it because – that is what tells a publisher that they want the series to continue. So to all of you readers who say, I will wait for the whole series to come out before I buy it, please don't. Run and buy that book so that there can be even more books in the series, okay? Thanks so much for being here, Brian. It was great to have you on. Lisa, thank you. Thank you so much. And you got to tell me more at some point about your well werewolf rock star. I got to hear more about yes. that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We'll talk. <laughs> talk to you All later. Right. Thank, thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.